I think it's this idea that, um, you know, PR is a marathon, not a sprint. So if you're going to engage a PR firm, I think you need to be in it with the mindset that this is a long-term relationship. You're listening to Relish This, the Purpose Marketing Podcast. Here's your host, Stu Swinefort. Hey, everybody. Stu here. My guest today is Rhiannon Hendricks, and she is the founder and CEO of Oropin Marketing. And they are a really great PR firm that does a lot of work in the nonprofit space. And so they have this really cool approach to how they help nonprofits get their story out there. And it's really first a, a matter of commitment, really committing to the process and committing to getting your story out there and then really understanding your story. And, and it's less about what you do and, and you know, why you do it and more about why people should actually care about what you're up to and why it, why it matters. And uh, our discussion today, I think is, is really great for any nonprofit seeking to expand their mission and uh, amplify their story. We had a really fun time talking with Rhiannon. So here we go. I hope you enjoy the show. Hey, Rhiannon, how are you today? I'm good, Stu. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to chat. Oh, it is entirely my pleasure. I'm really, really excited to continue our conversation. We actually, I looked at my calendar and we actually chatted like three years ago um, for, I don't know how we got connected way back then, but uh, but then we most recently reconnected in uh, in February and had a nice little talk. Yeah. And uh, I'm excited to hear about everything that is going on with PR and uh, how that affects the nonprofit space. For sure. Yeah. No, it's been, I know I was kind of doing the same thing as to when we first connected and how, and I don't know, it seems like anything pre-pandemic these days could have been you know, February of last year or in 2014. No. <laughs> yeah, it's it's amazing how how that time has has both compressed and extended. It seems like it's very it's a really weird phenomenon that we're all going through. Yeah, absolutely. So, what are your main things that you're providing for nonprofits these days? Yeah, I mean, I think the main thing is really just helping them to expand their audience by telling their story. And one of the things that we find with organizations is that they're really, they typically tend to be better at engaging their current audience and staying in touch with current donors and clients, but maybe not as good about, you know, really getting the story out there in a, in a broader sense and bringing more people into the, you know, their family, if you will. Yeah, those are the kind of those pre pre engagement phases of of the uh, audience life cycle. We like to call those the attract and connect phases um, that then kind of blend into bond. But but yeah, I think a lot of nonprofits do a decent job with with the inspire phase, which is where you know you have someone and they've either taken an action and are a, a repeat donor or or are you know. A, a volunteer, um, but reengaging with those people is feels a lot more comfortable for a lot of nonprofits. I think, mm -hmm. yeah, because they feel like they, you know, these are folks who already, you know, agree with them, support them, love them, 
And so naturally you're inclined to, you know, want to stay connected and, and really engage with them. But we need to be also, we, we need to also be telling other people about what we do, why it matters and why they should care and support us. Yeah. So with PR, we've, we've worked with a number of PR firms over the years. And um, so our, have some familiarity with, with what all the magic that you uh, perform behind the scenes. What are some of the things that you recommend for nonprofits who are trying to get, you know, ex- expand their mission and, and amplify their message? What are some PR related activities that, that you see working really well? Yeah, I think, I mean, first and foremost, it's, it's making the commitment to tell the story and engage a broader, broader audience. I think so often, um, nonprofit, I mean, they're we're really busy and there's a lot going on and PR tends to be kind of last on the list. And I'd argue that it should be closer to the top that, yes, the services that you're pro- providing are critical and par- paramount. But in order to provide those services, people, you need to have the support of donors and funders, etc. And so... You know, I think once you make the commitment to to do it regularly and to, um, you know, really figure out what is the story, why should people care about it and what is, why does it matter to them? And just starting, just starting to, to make introductions and reach out to folks. And I think so often people are scared to just make that for, take that first step. So engaging your local, you know, newspaper and sharing stories of local, um, you know, clients who in the your area have been have benefited from your work and your services. Tell those human interest stories. Yeah, is there? You know, we talk, kind of talk about that as our uh, value proposition in terms of really letting people have a good understanding of. of not only why they should give to your organization and not another organization, but also overcome that friction of not giving at all. I mean, the, the nonprofit space just has this additional challenge that, uh, that isn't quite as prevalent in the for-profit world um, where, you know, parting with, with money um, to support a nonprofit is, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of friction there. Um and I, I love that you're talking about storytelling because I think that that's something that nonprofits actually have the benefit of is that they've, they have something really compelling to talk about. I know at Relish Studio, we embarked on a PR campaign many years ago. And, and one of the things we pretty quickly realized is we hadn't figured out our story yet. And so mm-hmm. there wasn't, there wasn't really anything for, for the press to bite on, yeah. um, how do you help nonprofits uh, kind of craft that story or tease that tease tease that idea out to to really get press interested? Yeah, I think one of the things, you know, especially with organizations that are new to PR, it's this idea they have this idea that we exist and therefore people should care. And I would challenge that no, you ex- the fact that you exist is actually not that interesting. It, right. It's why you exist. It's the so what factor. Um, the fact that you exist and you do this great work is awesome and admirable, but you have to get, you have to answer the, so what question so that people actually care because they're not going to open up their checkbooks unless you can get them to care. And they're not going to care unless they understand, 
um, you know, why does what you're doing actually matter to your constituents, mm-hmm. to the community, and to the folks you're reaching themselves, you know, your potential donors themselves? Yeah, we we have really started to try to help our clients figure out how to make how to how to like hit people in the feels, you know, mm-hmm. um, where it, it's it's like you can tell the story, but it, if you can really get to this idea of of how it's going to make them feel the donor themselves to support this cause, and not only you know how far the money is going to go and how it's directed toward helping people on uh, you know the 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 recipients of of the benefit but how is g- the giving of that of that investment going to make the person feel when they're you know when they pull out their their checkbook mm-hmm. yeah exactly yeah I, and again and uh, sorry I, I go back to you know having the commitment making the commitment to get your story out there but also like you said figuring out what the story is And then finding the right channels or opportunities to tell that story. So maybe it, maybe it's through the media. Um, Mm -hmm. Maybe it's, you know, by speaking at local events, maybe it's by, you know, contributing articles, um, you know, writing op-eds or letters to the editor. There's a lot of ways in which you can tell that story and demonstrate your expertise because I think oftentimes leaders of nonprofits forget that they are experts in this area, especially those who have worked in the field and, you know, for a specific cause for a really long time, they know a lot about the issue at hand and the, and the opportunities and the various solutions to solve that problem. So they should be using their voice and, um, you know, sharing that information with folks to help them better understand the problem that they're working to solve. Yeah, that's really great. Great advice. I think, I think that a lot of people do, it seems like particularly in the, in the nonprofit space, there's a lot of humility. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, people are very humble and don't, don't think of themselves as, as necessarily experts, but, but man, they, they bring a lot of expertise to the table in terms of all sorts of different things that are tangential to um, maybe the main mission that their, that their nonprofit is, is embarked upon. Um, and just getting out there and being that thought leader can, can really bring people into the fold. Absolutely. Yeah. It helps to establish their credibility. I mean, especially mm-hmm. when you look at, I mean, I don't even remember, even can't, excuse me, I don't know what the number is these days, but the number of nonprofits out there is, you know, astonishing. And so, and so many of them serve to solve the same problem, right? Maybe in a mm-hmm. different way, but if you're targeting donors, donors want to feel confident in the money that they're giving and that it's going to be used wisely and that it's going to be, you know, have an actual impact. And so if you can demonstrate that you are the credible, um, you know, you're a credible opportunity for them to spend their money and to help support a cause they care about, that's going to help to increase donations. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that. My guest, uh, we recorded yesterday, but he will be on uh, live the week before your show drops. Um, We had the same conversation about building trust and how, um, you know, that's kind of the key component to 
you know, getting people to engage in the first place, but then getting them to, to continue to support you as a, as a nonprofit is just, just hammering on that trust. And that really comes about from a variety of different activities. It doesn't just have to be, um, necessarily the results of what you're, what you're doing. Although obviously we're, we're always looking for results, but if, you know, if you can be a regular speaker on at events or, um, you know, on, on TV or wherever (laughs) one might go to speak that, that in that leads to that credibility and that trust that, uh, that you're, you're just filling up that bank. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's the old adage people, you know, work with or buy from or donate to or support those that they know, like, and trust. Yeah. So, yeah, I think when you're looking at how do you tell your story and what story are you going to tell, um, you know, put it through that filter and that perspective is, is the story going to help people to like us or to get to know us better, to get to better understand who we are, what we do and what we stand for? Does this story and is what I'm saying helping people, you know, to build credibility and enhance our reputation and get people to, to trust us? Um, you know, those are really important things to remember. Yeah. I think that's something that people maybe don't think about when they think of, of PR is, you know, I think most people, when they think of, of public relations, they, they think about, um, you know, earned media or paid media, or, you know, just, there's always this kind of media tie in. And, and so it's nice to hear that, that there's some other opportunities that people can consider when they're looking to perhaps engage a PR firm. Yeah. For sure. You know, and I think if we go to, if we talk about the like part of the no like and trust, I think nonprofits, like you said earlier, they tend, you know, folks in the nonprofit world tend to be very humble. Um, and I, I can understand that. But I think also think about how are you humanizing the organization? How do you bring um, that personality to the organization. A lot of nonprofits are tackling really difficult issues. Um, And so obviously you don't want it to be all doom and gloom, Mm -hmm. but you also don't want it to be all rainbows and sunshine either. You know, I think there needs to be a balance between the two of like, here's the great work that we're doing and here's the, you know, amazing impact that we're having. But we also need to look at like, here's, here's the problems that, you know, we're faced with and here's the reality of the current situation. Um, you know, give people something to relate to and to connect with. Right. It's funny that you mentioned that too, because when you think of a, a Hollywood film, for example, um, you know, if, if a film just came at the audience with, uh, you know, everything's great or everything's terrible, you'd, you know, you would either get kind of bored or, or there's just no arc and there's exactly. no, there's no tension and there's no drive to continue to, to pay attention to this. Yeah. And so I think that, you know, again, with that storytelling piece is don't be afraid to embrace some of the downs because that's, that's just part of a, that's just part of a story. Your hero goes through a journey and they, you know, face some sort of challenge and then, you know, their friend is, is lost in a, 
some sort of catastrophic event and then they come climb back out and, and, you know, get to a new high and then some other thing happens. And so, you know, it's a bunch of ups and downs. Um, and, and that's what makes a compelling story. Absolutely. Yeah. If all you're saying is look at the amazing impact we're having and how great, you know, we're solving this, this problem, people are like, awesome, you're doing fine. You don't need my support. I'm going to support somebody else, right? Or yeah, all you're your saying is, oh my gosh, we don't have enough money and there's so many people that need our services that we can't help. It's like, well, maybe you're just, you know, the door is halfway shut and there's no reason to support you either. So. Yeah, maybe maybe you're not good at this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's, it's just, it's just really fun to kind of break these things down and, and, uh, and see how, how people are tackling these challenges. What are, what are some of the, some of the bigger challenges that you do see with, with nonprofits in, in either deciding to engage with PR? What are some of the things that they should, they should think about before, you know, before reaching out to someone like you? I think one of the things or the most, one of the most common things we see with nonprofits and I kind of, we talked about it earlier, but this idea around we're doing really great work, but nobody knows about us. And this kind of almost victim mentality, like, you know, why are other people or other organizations getting so much attention? And the answer is, it's not because they're necessarily doing better work or having better outcomes or making a bigger impact. It's because they've made the commitment to tell the story and to put themselves out there. Um, you know, the media world especially is incredibly saturated and from a you know traditional media standpoint increasingly shrinking like there's just fewer and fewer reporters and outlets out there they will not find you that that's simple truth they are just not going to find you because you exist you have to be proactive and committed to telling your story and getting people to care about it so yeah, if you're watching the nightly news and you're like, well, you know, that organization's great and all, but we're actually doing something better or more interesting or what have you. The reason they're on the news is because they chose to put themselves out there to create that opportunity for themselves. The other thing I think people forget about and, you know, tradition people think of PR as in getting media attention, but I think we lose sight of the fact that you can create your own attention too. There are mm -hmm. tons of opportunities out there besides just having a reporter write a story about you to, you know, expand that audience and bring more awareness to what you're doing. So don't forget about those and this other channels, whether it's through social media, whether it's through events and speaking opportunities, whether it's through writing your own articles about yourself and the work that you're doing. Um, you know, they don't just rely and wait for a reporter to come to you to say they want to, you know, do a story about your organization. So is it, is it a consistency of, of activities that helps PR firm or um, helps uh, nonprofits to get the traction that they might be looking for? Or is it just knocking on the right doors at the right time, which I guess, you know, comes back down to, to consistency. What, what do you see working for for people you know when they really are trying to get that message out there? Um, the answer is yes to both questions. <laughs> yeah, it's the commitment and the consistency. Okay. Um, it's dedicating resources, whether that's somebody like, you know, in an, an actual person, an internal resource, whether it's budget, whether it's time, whatever it is to saying, 
this is important to us and we are going to consistently make an effort to do something. Um, you know, I think in terms of your question of what do they need to think about when they, you know, want to engage a PR firm or they want to, you know, just get some PR support, whether that's having, you know, somebody do it for them or having somebody guide them um, and help them stay accountable to doing it themselves. It's, you know, first and foremost, understanding what the actual story is. The fact that you exist isn't the story. Let's dig a bit deeper, under, you know, finding, and then those, um, you know, the offshoot storylines. What else can you be talking about as it relates to your impact, your, the problem you're working to solve, whatever it might be? Well, how, what are the various ways we can, you know, tie, we can tell that story and point back to this, you know, central message? Um, yeah, that's great. That's great advice. Yeah, and I was also going to say, you know, so figuring out what the story is and then just figuring out what resources you're going to put towards it and and get started. Everything, it starts to build momentum. If you think of PR, at, you know, PR stands for public relations. And I view that as building relationships with your publics or your various stakeholder audiences. You don't build a relationship with somebody overnight. It takes time and it takes effort and it takes engagement. So Thinking through kind of this long-term approach will help in the same way you do, you know, with donor cultivation, it's kind of the same thing. Interesting. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, I love that you bring up, it's, it's all about relationships because that's, that's certainly how we think of, of marketing even is, you know, you're, you're really just trying to establish that you have something of value, whether that's expertise or, you know, a, a widget that you're selling, um, that somebody is, is going to want to trade their time or money or, or energy for. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, you know, yeah, it's, it's sometimes easier to do that than others, but in the, in the nonprofit space, it can be a real challenge because, um, you know, the thing that people are going to get from their investment, whether that be time or, or money, um, is, is a lot less tactile or tangible sure. than when you're, when you're buying a, you know, buying a, a doohickey from the, from the local store. For sure. So when, when nonprofits are, are starting to embark on this, this, journey, um, you know, to expand their, their reach and, and start to spread the word about what they do and, and what they do really well. My, my guess is that a lot of times they, they try to DIY it before they come to, you know, someone like you, who's an expert in this. Are there any tricks that you can share that, that, um, they can either get people to understand uh, that they need to to hire a pro, or or uh, or things that they can do to maybe tee that uh, initial DIY experience up a little bit more effectively. It's an interesting question. I mean, I think first and foremost, I, I think where I see organizations get hung up when they DIY is that they just start doing stuff. And while yes, my advice is like just get started. I also want to caution organizations from just like, let's just send a pitch to a reporter. 
Right. I mean, you, sure. I mean, maybe that'll land. Maybe you hit the reporter at the right time at the right moment and the story just lands like it's great. But if all you're doing is throwing spaghetti at a wall and seeing what sticks, you're not going to truly understand what works and why it's working. So we always start with let's put together an actual plan. Let's really define our goals and objectives and understand what we want to ultimately achieve and how we're going to measure that. And then from there, it's, you know, let's test things. Let's see what sticks. Let's do a bunch of different things, see what works and whether or not it is actually helping to um, move the needle. Can we say that that article did in fact, you know, increase donations or bring more people to it, like whatever it might be that an organization wants to do. If you don't have clear goals and objectives, you can't really understand what the ROI is. And if you can't understand what the ROI is, it's going to be really hard to stick with it when it's not, when you're not seeing results right away. Right. Yeah. We, we look at that as like, do you have, even if you have your goals set and you know where you want to go, are you actually creating an opportunity to measure the, the activities that you're doing um, to see if they're producing the results that you were actually you know, hoping to achieve? Yeah. Um, and I think that that's something that, that gets missed on in digital campaigns as well, um, where there's just no real way to to understand if it worked or, or didn't work. Yeah. Well, and I think if you're not asking the question of why do we want to reach out to this reporter and how do we, how can we point back to a specific objective to see if they do write a story, how we're going to determine if it met that objective, you you lose the, you know, you lose the opportunity to really understand what the call to action would be. Um, you know, people say like, well, we just want a story in the newspaper. Okay, great. But what do you want the story to be about? Oh, we want it to be about, you know, this recent, you know, campaign we just did. Okay. And then what, like, what is it that you want that to actually do? If you keep digging, you know, then you can better understand like, oh, well, we want people to go to the website. Okay, cool. Well, how are we going to actually measure that? Well, I guess we can look at referral traffic from that news outlet and see what that looks like. So we just, you know, connect the dots and really, even if it feels intuitive, answer those questions to be really clear about what it is you want to try. And I mean, maybe it won't work, but you're not going to understand if it worked, truly understand if it worked or if it didn't, if you're not asking those questions up front and getting really clear about that stuff up front. Yeah, for sure. It's um, it's interesting how many times we'll go back through um, a client's you know traffic and see some crazy spike that happened on some some day in the past, and you know, and maybe this is before our engagement, but we we say, oh well, that's interesting. What what did you guys do? Um, you know, on the thirteenth of of July to get that huge spike. And they're like, oh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> and so, um, or they, you know, or they have to think back about it. So, you know, just documenting activities, um, you know, it seems mundane. Um, but, but if you, you know, if you can figure out what's leading to, 
you know, those don- donation spikes or even traffic spikes. Um, it, it's easier, way easier to repeat that if you have an understanding of, of what you were up to um, versus just just guessing. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Do you tend to, to see a nonprofit's start to want PR assistance or or benefit more from PR assistance when they've reached a certain maturity level or a certain size? What's the kind of the sweet spot that you've seen people really start to engage effectively with PR? Is it across the board? Um, I think it's once they've, you know, had enough opportunities to um to make an impact and to show that like the fact that they, again, the fact that they exist isn't interesting. The fact that they exist to solve a specific problem isn't interesting. The fact that they exist to solve a specific problem and here are the outcomes that they're having to impact a specific problem that then becomes more interesting. So, you know, having startups, I think startup nonprofits are really are difficult um, depending on, you know, there could be opportunities to tell like a founder story of why, what happened in a founder's life that led them to starting this organization. I mean, that story can be interesting, possibly, but that can be short lived, too. I think mm-hmm. they really, you know, benefit from a real PR effort. You're going to want to have enough time and, you know, outcomes and successes and failures under your belt to, uh, to make it a more interesting story. Right. Yeah. That's, that makes sense. I mean, it just all, all comes back down to that storytelling and what, you know, what are people going to find compelling, um, that are going to make them want to engage with, with your organization. Exactly. How did you start working with, with nonprofits? What, what was your, what's your story in, <laughs> in that space? Um, so I have worked with four in nonprofit my entire career. I um, started my career in-house in a nonprofit, a local nonprofit organization doing both fundraising and communications. And then, you know, as I've evolved throughout my career, have, you know, volunteered for nonprofits, various nonprofits, served on the board of various nonprofits, and has, you know, many different nonprofit clients. My, I am really drawn to people and organizations that are doing something for good, like for the greater good. And obviously, I mean, that's, that's the nonprofit realm, right? Like I really, I love that kind of storytelling. I love the stories of, you know, how, how we're helping people and how people's lives are getting, you know, being made better through the work that we're doing, whether that is nonprofit or for-profit organizations. Yeah, it's fun to see the for-profit space start to embrace this idea of, uh, you know, corporate social responsibility or, you know, you talk a lot about B Corps, um, you know, even even some of the organizations out there like 1% for the Planet that Relish is, is a, a partner of, um, you know, it, it, it feels like there's a movement and a, and a real trend toward businesses of all types trying to figure out how to navigate this this space of of commerce um in a positive way and bring bring a lot more 
um, you know, benefit to everybody as opposed to just trying to fuel, um, revenue and, and profits. Um, so it's, it's a, it's really cool to see that, that change. Do you feel like that shift has taken some of the opportunities away from, from nonprofits who, you know, historically have been kind of the owners of that, of that area or, or does it, does it, um, does it augment it? both I think you know the for-profit mindset is more inclined to um, to to put resources and budget um, toward marketing and PR whereas nonprofits maybe are less inclined to do so mm-hmm. and therefore they're just they're creating their own opportunities right Um but I think nonprofits still have a really interesting role to play. And especially, I think there's a great opportunity for nonprofits to look at how could we collaborate on these stories together? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you have a nonprofit and, you know, a for-profit organization both working to solve the same problem or in some way impact the problem, how can we, co- how, how do we tell that story? that story in a joint way. And how do we, it's kind of like a bigger picture story, right? Like here's yeah. this problem and here's a nonprofit that's been working to solve it for X number of years. And this is the success that they've had and the failures that they've had. And here's a for-profit who's just entering in the, into the space. And as a nonprofit with expertise, here's what we, you know, recommend or here's what we think these for-profit organizations should know or should be thinking about and where we're really excited for them to be a part of this solution. Yeah, it's that's really great insight. I I took a, a like a little class of gosh, it's it's been a few months since I since I took it, but it was talking a lot about corporate social responsibility and how from the nonprofit standpoint there are not only some opportunities that probably get left on the table, but also some pitfalls to, to look out for. And as more and more for-profit businesses go out to try and find nonprofit partners to um, kind of be the beneficiary of, of, of the for-profit's CSR efforts, um, there can be a challenge in that if there's not good alignment with either mission or values or, or something, then, then you lose that opportunity to tell a story. So for example, if you have, you know, some big company wanting to come and, and throw a bunch of volunteers at your nonprofit, but the, but the big company doesn't have anything to do with, with what you as the nonprofit is, um, you know, your mission is, Mm -hmm. then it, then there's really no way to, to take advantage of that, other than the benefit of getting some volunteer help. Right. Um, but if you can get alignment, so if you can, if you can find, you know, a for-profit business that's in, um, let's say they're in out in the outdoor space and your nonprofit is a, a trail building organization, there's, there's synergy there and there's a, an ability to, for both parties to really tell effectively tell that story. Um, and so just making sure that those, that those things are aligned. And then the other piece is we've done some work with a company called TapCat and they run sweepstakes for non nonprofits. And one of the things that we've seen with the most successful or some of the most, some of the more successful sweepstakes that get run are 
for nonprofits who do have some kind of corporate sponsorship opportunity where they can actually leverage the reach of that of that for-profit businesses social media or audience uh, you know to to get more people engaged in the sweepstakes and and so just just making sure that that people know that there there's kind of a two-way street opportunity yeah. there um so it's just it's just cool to see how how both sides can kind of get some some real benefit from from those engagements and 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 bring a lot of juice to the to the conversation um in terms of that storytelling piece. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean if you look at, you know, the ver- <laughs> the numerous, the myriad um different problems out there, social, environmental, economic, what have you, there's likely not a problem out there that there's not a nonprofit working to solve or work Mm -hmm. towards. Right. But there, you know, I think just recently, more recently, you're getting the for-profits engaged in solving those problems. And to your point, there's opportunities for both to benefit the, you know, for-profits that want to get involved in this space and, you know, really work to solve these problems and to be a part of, you know, making an impact can lean on the nonprofits to learn, like, what have they been doing? What if, what's worked? What hasn't worked? Where's, where are the gaps? How can they start to fill those gaps? And the nonprofits can, you know, I've not worked with any nonprofit that hasn't said, gosh, if we only had X, we could do Y, right? And oftentimes for-profits have that X. They have the budget. They have the resources, the the talent, the staffing. They have, you know, just more ability to make time. So nonprofits can lean on those, you know, their for-profit partners to really um, just enhance what they're doing. Yeah, that's actually a really great point that – you know, these nonprofits, if you have a corporate partnership or, or sponsorship or, or some sort of, um, you know, connection, you can actually leverage their, you know, the power of their marketing team or their PR team, or, um, you know, some of these things that they're, you know, they have them on retainer for lack of a better word. And, and so they can kind of toss some, some bodies at the problem um, and, and put people power to work. So it's not just, uh, can you, can you get investment? So it's not just getting about getting cash, but what other, what other opportunities are there that you could leverage to, to get your story out there in a more effective way? Exactly. Have you seen any, uh, trends in, in, the PR space for nonprofits that, that you find interesting or there, you know, changes that have been happening that, um, that you can shed some light on. I know that this last year has been very, um, you know, chaotic, I guess, for lack of a better word in terms of, of people having to, to try new things, but what are some of the, the things that nonprofits might want to keep on their radar? Yeah, I think, uh, the top of my head, I mean, I'm sure there's many, but like I talked about before, just really taking ownership of the story and of getting it out there and not relying so heavily on having somebody else tell the story for you. Um, Looking at how do we create these opportunities um, 
to share our message and to share expertise. I think the expertise part, you know, thought, quote, thought leadership, you know, quote, unquote, is all the rage now, or it's something that's really starting to take hold. And I, again, I think for-profit um, organizations and companies and leaders are really kind of starting to jump on this bandwagon. But I would love to see more nonprofit leaders um, step into this space and use their voice and really build their reputations as experts on you know, the, the problems that they're working on because they have that expertise and they should be, I feel like they have a responsibility in some ways to be sharing that, to be educating and teaching people about what they know and what they're trying to do. So really just starting that process by doing searches to find out what speaking opportunities might be available for somebody in, in the area of influence that, that you and your nonprofit serve, would, would that be the first, first step there? And then starting to build a relationship with, with that entity and see if you can get um, included as a speaker? For sure. Yeah. From speaking opportunities to, you know, writing articles and submitting articles. There's so many online outlets out there that offer contributor opportunities. You know, you write the article and they maybe edit it a little bit, but then post it. So, you know, take, take the time to, to write and to, um, you know, find opportunities to do like what we're doing right now, be a guest on a podcast, you know, podcasts are huge or, you know, medium that's just blowing up right now. Um, you know, and there's, there's so many niche podcasts and, you know, really focused targeted podcasts. To yeah, that's to absolutely. That's absolutely true. I think I read that there are something like 2 million podcasts out there right now um, that are, that are maybe not all active. I think the stat that I read was, I want to say 30, only 35% make it past their first three episodes or something like that. And then there's another like third drop off to the, to the 10th episode. But just the fact that there is that much activity and an opportunity, um, it's, you know, it's certainly worth, worth exploring, um, for people to, to really get out there and, and try and find these places where they can, you know, get their message out there. Is that something that your PR firm helps with? If somebody in the nonprofit space were, were looking for either podcast or, or, um, uh, you know, guest posting type opportunities? Absolutely. Yeah. We really are focused in this thought leadership expert positioning space um, and, you know, helping organizations that may not have as much quote, you know, news, like they're launching new products. They're, you know, launching these great partnerships, that kind of thing, but how we help them identify like what is the story that they have to tell and most often it's, it comes from this place of teaching and education and this message that they just want to share this story that that's worth telling. And we find those opportunities right. to help them tell. So yeah, through, you know, writing and contributing articles, securing speaking engagements, interviews, um, et cetera. In that, in that podcasting space, do you recommend um, people, 
approach podcasters with a topic idea or what what how's what's the best way for them to start that kind of kind of conversation absolutely so yeah the, i mean the best way to pitch i mean any any reporter or you know from a podcast host it you know listen to the show a, a handful of times understand kind of the format what they're talking about what they care about what you know what is are there certain questions that they typically ask that kind of thing and then reach out to them and you know, you offer up like here, based on, you know, what you're talking about, the theme of the podcast, you know, I think that I'd be a, a great guest because of X, Y, and Z. Here's my, you know, credentials. And here's a handful of things that I could talk about that I think your listeners might be interested in. It's a great way to start that conversation. I'm, I'm taking notes right now because I think this is something I would want to include in my show synopsis is uh, just some some tips like this. I think, um, you know, just having you know, having that step by step, like here's here's how to get this done is is super helpful. Um, is, you know, this seems like it's it's been the way to to kind of pitch to reporters for years in terms of just saying, Hey, here are several topics that, that I could discuss or even write about. Um, and, and thinking of it, this is, this is something that's kind of hard for people to, to embrace, but you don't have to write it before somebody, um, agrees that that's the thing that they want written. Um, so, you know, I think if you could come up with, you know, five or 10 kind of topic ideas. And then when somebody bites, then you can do the hard, hard work of, of figuring out what you're going to say. Exactly. I mean, when, we, if, if we're pitching byline articles, we're pitching a client to write an, an article for a publication, we'll say, mm -hmm. you know, here's, you know, maybe three to five ideas. We pick like the ones that we think would be most fitting for that specific publication and then explain why you think it's fitting. I mean, prove that you understand the publication and the audience, not just that it's not just for the sake of benefiting you. No reporter or editor is going to care that it benefits you. They want to know how it benefits their audience. Why would their audience care to read an article from you on this thing? Like, why, why does it matter? And why are you the one, the best person to write this article? And right. then include, you know, just a quick, like a a headline and maybe three to five bullet points as to what would be included in the article. Okay. Um, I That's think great. rather than just pitching them, Hey, I already wrote this article. I would, even if you have already written the article, I wouldn't share it with them right away. I would, you know, pitch them the idea first because every publication has its own writer's guidelines uh -huh. where, you know, a certain number of words, a certain style, that kind of thing. If you just send them the article it doesn't give them the chance to make it their own. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like, I mean, they can, they can edit it or whatnot, but it just, I think it, it's a less assertive and less, you know, demanding to say, Hey, what do you think of this idea? And then let me write it specifically for you. Yeah. I really love that uh, approach. It's sort of the sell it before you sell it before you build it mentality. Yeah. Um, and it's, and it's a little scary, I guess. It, I, I certainly have struggled with it over the years um, in terms of like, well, why, how can I sell something that I don't have? And, 
And the fact of the matter is, is you can go out and, and sell it or pitch it. And if there's no interest, then you haven't spent a bunch of time building something that no one actually wants. Exactly. Um, so you can go back out and pitch the pitch, pitch the next thing and see if, see if they want that. And as opposed to putting in, you know, all of the time and effort and energy and, um, you know, headache and heartache and, <laughs> and everything else to, to build something that no one actually has a strong interest in, um, go ahead and engage interest before you, before you invest all that time and, and energy. Absolutely. Or if you do, you know, write it first and it's something that you love and think like, oh my gosh, this would be a great fit for XYZ publication. Again, just don't include that in the pitch, save that, you know, kind of behind the scenes and just pull out the main points of the article right. and use that and then, you know, tweak it as need be. Right. And you can always use that on your own site if no yeah. one if no one bites and you still feel like there's value you can you can use it elsewhere exactly. um but i would i would also recommend um you know don't publish it before <laughs> before you the uh the person that you're pitching has the opportunity to do so because they they are going to probably want something that's been published before absolutely yeah and i think you know i think another recommendation or approach some people take is shopping it, you know, pitching a lot of people all at once and seeing mm-hmm. who bites. I think there's risk in that because if you have right. two publications that decide they want it, then how are you going to decide who gets it? Um, right. You know, it is definitely not this, we call it the spray and pray approach. Like it okay. should be very, very targeted. Here is a very specific article for this specific publication um, because of these reasons, you know, every outlet, like, you know, if you're parenting or whatever, like there's gosh knows how many number of parenting outlets out there, but each one has its own kind of niche or philosophy or what have you. So make it really, really targeted. And that's how you're going to build a relationship with that publication and that editor. Yeah. I can see how it would cause some real problems if you if you had several people interested in in your article all at once, how you could end up kind of torpedoing the whole thing yeah. because because of the competing desires, and also people like to feel like they're special, right? Exactly. Um, yeah. So if you you know if you're just out there slinging it, it goes back to your throwing spaghetti at the wall idea. Um, you know, if you're just out throwing everything out there, you you don't. It, it's just so untargeted that you you don't know how to measure, and then also you can get yourself into trouble. Yep, absolutely. Are there any other things about engaging a PR firm or or taking that leap into PR aside from all the great stuff that we've we've chatted about that you'd want nonprofit leaders to know about before they started thinking about that as as maybe one of their next steps in. Uh, in starting to build those relationships? Yeah, I think it's this idea that, um, you know, PR is a marathon, not a sprint. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to engage a PR firm, I think you need to be in it with the mindset that this is a long-term relationship. Now, I'm not saying years and years, but it to launch a, 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 a true strategic um, PR program that, will hopefully bring about, you know, meaningful, a meaningful return on investment. It's going to take time. 
It just is. It's going to take time to really understand the opportunities to start trying things and testing things and to start to build that momentum. I mean, just because, you know, if you get a reporter interested in your story, doesn't mean that story is going to publish tomorrow. It could take three, four, five, six months to actually see it in print. Right. So it takes time to build that momentum. But once you get it going, it, the consistency and you know those results will start to you'll start to see that consistency of results. Yeah, my guess is is once you get a couple things get traction on a couple things, you start to see it get easier and easier to get traction on on uh, you know other other ideas and other pitches that you're that you're doing out there. Absolutely, um, yeah, and I you know one thing leads to another. You know, if we were, I was talking with a potential client yesterday about the idea. Now they really want to, you know, be in these national publications. And while I think the story is certainly worthy of that, you know, I caution them not to overlook the power of local press right. as well. Um, because the Today Show isn't going to have you on if you can't prove that you're you could be a good guest or that you have the ability to do a good interview. You know, so use your local the local opportunities to build that credibility and to kind of, to build your PR resume. Yeah. And also just practice. It's, uh, it's, it's tough to get out on the, on the big stage the first time yeah. that you, that you do something and, you know, enable your, enable yourself to, to, you know, get a little, little bit of uh, practice under your belt before you, before you jump to the, to the nationwide or, or world worldwide audience. Absolutely. Sometimes that can be helpful. Well, if you think of that, you know, whether it be, you know, a newspaper, uh, broadcast, broadcast TV, um, you know, big conference or event, they all work really hard to build um, their audience and to maintain their audience. And so they're not going to just give you airtime or space if they don't think you're going to be valuable to their audience right. because they don't want to risk losing their audience. Right. So you have to be able to prove that you're worthy of that opportunity. Right. I mean, it, we all need, we need to, to take, you know, small steps to get where we're going. And, and I can see why, you know, a, a large conference, for example, wouldn't necessarily want to put somebody up on stage who'd, never done that before or, yeah. or, you know, wasn't proven. Um, they have a lot at stake there. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think we've probably all been to an event where the speaker was kind of meh and we didn't necessarily leave the, the talk thinking, you know, thinking meh about the speaker, you left yeah. it more like the negativity was more on the, the conference, you know, like, yeah. why would they put that person up there? <laughs> right. Or, you know, I spent a lot of money on this thing and, and I had, had to sit through that. Yeah. And it's definitely not the, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's not the speaker themselves that, that typically takes the brunt of that, of, of that, uh, disengagement or, or <laughs> dissatisfaction yeah. for sure. Or they're not the only one, let's say. Yeah. The conference yeah. Hit with that too. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, I can't believe it's been an, an hour. It, this has been such a fun conversation. I, I really appreciate you being on the show today, Rhiannon. I, I'd love for you to let us know 
uh, let the audience know where where they can find out more about you and all the great work that you're doing. Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah. And thank you for the opportunity. It's been a great conversation. Um, so we are at, I am the founder and CEO of um, Oropen Marketing and Public Relations. And our mission is to bring attention to those who are you know, doing good things out in the world. So you can check us out at orapinmarketing.com. That's O-R-A-P-I-N marketing.com. And uh, we also have a inter- an interview series called Inspired Impact, where we share the stories of purpose-driven leaders who are making a difference in the world and giving them an opportunity to talk about who they are, what they do, the impact that they're making and how others can support them. So I encourage you to check that out too. Yeah, for sure. Do you typically talk with mostly with nonprofit leaders on Inspired Impact? It's both nonprofit and for-profit. Like we were talking about earlier, it's been a really um, exciting shift to be able to include more for-profit leaders who are focused on, you know, this business as a force for good mentality. That's great. I love it. Well, this has been such a great conversation and I love having these kinds of conversations of being able to, to talk about marketing and, and, you know, the nonprofit space and how more people can do more good in that space. But I also like to inspire actual action. And so at the end of every show, I ask my guest, if there's one thing that you would have, uh, the people who are listening today do after listening to the show, um, what would you, what would you have people do today? I would say really focus on clarifying that story. What do we do? What does it matter? And who should care? And then diving deeper and saying, okay, as we write this out and we get this on paper, really answering that so what question. So what? So what does this mean? So why should people care? Um, what do we want them to do specifically? So get clear on that. And then, like I said before, just make the commitment to start putting yourself out there and telling that story. Well, I think that's a really good uh, thing for everyone to do is to, is to get, you know, figure out that process and figure out that, that story, um, whether it's personally or for one's organization. I think that that's a, that's a good exercise to, to embark upon for sure. Yeah. Thank you so much for being on the show. I had such a great time and I will hopefully hear some really great stories coming out of Oropin. Wonderful. Well, thanks again for having me. I appreciate it. It's been my pleasure. Talk to you soon. (laughs) Take care. Bye. All right. There you have it. Another great episode of Relish This. Thanks for listening. If you would like to learn more about how to apply the audience engagement cycle to expand your organization's mission, there are two things you can do. Right now, you can go to missionuncomfortablebook.com to download a copy of my book. And while you're there, you can get your purpose-driven marketing score to see where you can unearth some gold for your organization. If you'd like to listen to back episodes of the show or sign up to be a guest, go to relishstudio.com slash podcast. That's it for this week. I'll be back next week for another great episode of Relish This.